This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Sam Amick coming up here momentarily. Of course, he writes for The Athletic. He just had a a piece that he released, Gordon, and and we'll talk to him about this, but uh, talking talking to some anonymous GMs, and getting their uh, uh, thoughts on the return and some concerns. And, of course, uh, Sam doing really uh, great work, as always, uh, at The Athletic. And uh, when we talked to Sam last week, Gordon, he was uh, – he was. I don't think he officially said he was on board and going to Orlando, but it seemed like that's the way things were he- heading. Am I remembering that right? Uh, I thought so, although I, when we talked with Sam about – what he would do, I think he's, didn't he say he would cancel the whole thing? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, he's been uh, apprehensive uh, about it, but I can't remember yeah. if he said that. But I, I think he was saying he was going to go to Orlando. Yeah, I I, I thought I thought he said that he might go for half the time and they may trade right, off or something that. along those lines. Mm-hmm. But uh, are, were all these remarks from the GMs anonymous? Uh, I believe so. I've got it right mm-hmm. in front of me now. It, it's not, he he didn't post it that long ago, so I haven't had a chance to to get all the. Way well, I just want because sometimes so. sometimes people have things on their minds, and they're much more likely to say them if they can be protected because they don't want to uh, upset the apple cart, as it were. Right. And uh, so, I mean, if you had a bunch of GMs who were speaking out saying that, oh, gee, this is a dumb idea, you know, then uh, I I don't think the league would be overly happy about it. But you know that there are concerns. I mean, any conscientious person would have some of those concerns. Yeah, right. Um, You know, Gordon, I don't know the the Tribunes, uh, whether they're going to send anybody or not. I got the impression that that maybe it would be more limited from a a media standpoint. But I, I tell you what, I would love to go. You know, family and being gone and all that stuff aside, because that certainly would make it really hard. But the basketball fan in me would, would love to see this thing right up close. I think it'd be awesome. Yeah, I, I can understand that completely. Uh, but but obviously, those of us who are basketball lovers are also human beings. No doubt. You know? No doubt. And but, I, this, and, you know. And that's, that's, that's where I think most people find themselves uh these gms they yeah they want to see basketball go on but do they have are they are they uh, worried about certain aspects of it i'm sure they are and uh, same for the fans and probably same for the players coaches everybody involved with it you know but they they're forging on in uh in the uh, the most protected way that they possibly and most protected practical way that the league could all right it's time for your daily assist austin hit it it's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Daily Assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Visit them online, leesheatac.com. Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Joining us as he does every Thursday from The Athletic, he's our friend Sam Amick. Sam, how are you? Doing good, guys. How are you doing? 
Hey, we are doing great. Uh, saw you just uh, released, I, I think it was about 15 minutes ago, an, your anonymous NBA poll talking to GMs uh, about some concerns coming back. Would encourage everybody to jump on and, and read it. But give us a few thoughts on, on what you learned talking to these guys, Sam. Yeah, I mean, kind of a mixed bag of, of kind of, you know, feelings from different GMs. And it was it was 10 out of the 22 whose teams are going to Orlando or scheduled to go to Orlando. Um, I mean, you know, there were a handful that were simply very impressed with what the NBA has done and felt fairly confident that it would work. And then you certainly ran into others with graver concerns. Um tried to get into some of those details and those subplots, you know, everything from a lot of concern about the way that family and friends will be handled. And for anybody not aware, for the players, they are not allowed to have any family or friends be with them on the Orlando campus until after the first round. And then at that time, each team can uh, reserve an additional hotel room uh, basically for each player on the roster. And so you are beholden to the room occupancy numbers. So kind of unofficially, like, you know, four family members and friends who would have to go through rigorous quarantine, testing, all those things. And and so the concern there with the players is just where are their heads going to be at? You show up in mid-July. Uh, you don't get to see anybody from your personal circle uh, for quite some time. You know, it's going to be uh, seven weeks, I think. So, I mean, that, that's something that has worried teams and they're pushing to, to have more family and friends allowed maybe in the first round. Um, but then the other thing that gets overlooked is, and since I was talking to the GMs, is that all NBA personnel, including GMs, they don't get to have any family or friends for the entire thing. And so if you're a team that gets to the NBA finals, you might go three months without seeing your family. Um, I know it's really easy for, like I can already hear the fans listening, rolling their eyes and saying, oh, they make so much money. But I think sometimes it's just too easy to forget that these are people and these things matter. So those were a few of the, the many things we got into. But, you know, certainly a lot of concern about about the rising cases and where this whole situation is going. Along those lines, Sam, I really liked your tweet, and uh, I like it so much I'll read it and then get your uh, reaction. Uh, By the way, can we please stop calling it a quote-unquote bubble? Disney employees who won't be tested will be coming in and out. As one GM put it, quote, it is by definition no longer a bubble, and so even the illusion of a safer environment is gone. That's... uh, that's got to be a concern. Uh, will those Disney employees be kept far enough away from the players that it will not necessarily be an issue? That's the plan. Uh, but, you know, I, listen, I, I'm always careful to not, you know, we all run around like want to be experts on COVID-19 these days. But what I've read, what I've learned, we actually had a doctor on our podcast this week to really kind of elevate the conversation is that, you know, know, aerosol version of the virus can, you know, in in a closed uh, space, it can hang in the air for quite some time, 10, 15 minutes. And um, so to me, keeping Disney employees away from the players, it's not a foolproof plan to keep them safe. Uh, You know, the virus can live on surfaces for quite some time. And so, that's, you know, I'm not trying to say that the whole thing is not going to work. I obviously don't know. 
but I am obviously a little irritated by the, the bubble terminology only because it just sets the uh, the bar too high. I think it's, it's designed when you use that word to rest people's anxieties and to convince them that, you know, that the league has got, you know, that they've got the, the plan here and it's going to definitely work. And it's just, it's not a bubble. The Disney employee union is very strong. They have like 60,000 employees and, and if the NBA could have its way, I'm sure they would love to quarantine those people and have them be tested, but that's not going to be the case. And so uh, it's hard because it's funny. In real time here, I was just kind of debating this on Twitter with Ben Dowsett, who does a lot of jazz coverage, and I think he writes partly for Forbes, and, uh, and you're neck of the woods. And and my thing, he was arguing that, that it's, it's, it's so much safer than an everyday environment. But the part where you lose me is um, – you know, I'm not playing basketball every day and sweating on other people and breathing on them. And that's a major thing because the thing is you you could, let's say one of the Disney employees gets it, doesn't know it, somehow one of these players contracts it, you know, in the morning right after they tested negative. Um, you're only getting tested once a day. So it is conceivable that you could somehow pick up the virus inside the campus, uh, go the entire day, play an NBA game, infect dozens of people, and you're not going to know it until the next day. They're not testing every hour. Uh, that's obviously not very practical. And so, you know, I would definitely not agree that it's safer than, than everyday life because, you know, staying in your house and going to the grocery store is, is uh, you know, that's not what we're talking about here. Sam Amick of The Athletic with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Do you believe the NBA has an expectation or a threshold maybe uh, as far as infections go? I have to imagine they do. They haven't shared it. You know, I'm, honestly, I, I, I don't know. I wish Adam Silver would start doing more media right now. Uh, he's done a few appearances on TNT and ESPN, uh, but he's done one conference call with the rest of the media since the pandemic happened. And this really hasn't offered much insight into his thinking other than what we hear from these conference calls and things like that. And so I, I don't have clarity on what their threshold would be. And I, I have to imagine they have one. Um, you know, obviously their baseline response right now is if somebody gets sick, it's certainly not going to bring the whole playoffs to an end. They would quarantine that person. They would do contact tracing to establish how widespread any possible infection might have been, and then you know carry on with with the games. And but you can see where it, it just wouldn't take much for that to spiral out of control. And I'm sure that they've got some unofficial protocol on that front internally. So Sam, as you talk to these uh, various insiders around the league gyms and whatnot uh, or did they have other any other concern that really struck you as being something that was something for uh the greater audience to worry about um i, I just think that one of the the main threads guys was the lifestyle stuff and the mental health stuff it was actually ironically there were a lot of people saying you know the virus itself is not the number one concern i know that sounds crazy but they they feel like, geez, we're being tested so much, and and we're so secluded, and so we'll see. So let's let's give them that for the sake of the argument. You know, their point was that it's as one GM put it. I thought this was really smart terminology, uh, and I'm, I'm trying to remember it accurately. He said 
that these players are not familiar with the psychology of deployment, which in, not in any you know million years will we be comparing pro sports to military service. But I think the part that does land for me is these guys are used to traveling a lot, but they're typically never gone more than you know 12, 13 days. And now you have no home games. And so everything I kind of alluded to earlier, there's concern about the quality of play uh, and kind of the impact that these restrictions might have on the player's state of mind. So whether you're a family man, you know, with Joe Ingles who can't see his family, uh, you know, and, and it's maybe tugging at him a little bit. And, in fact, he's actually a perfect example. There's, I forget how long ago, last season or the season before, you know, he shared the stories about how, uh, he had family things happening that distracted him and made it hard to focus on his work. And, you know, that that's a real human element, and I could see that impacting someone with a family who hasn't seen their kids in seven, eight weeks. Um, the other side of that is if you're a single guy, and, uh, you know, this is a G-rated program, but, like, you got, you know, you got 20-something-year-old millionaire athletes who are used to being able to, to see women and, you know, do their thing, and then that's not part of it. You're going to have no social life. You're going to be looking at NBA 2K and ping pong every single day. And not only that, you have the social justice side, which is probably some anxiety caused by, you know, the guys that, that may have gone to a rally, the guys who may have, you know, tried to use their voices in different ways. They're going to feel very constrained, and that is for safety reasons, obviously. But the, the, the worry basketball-wise is that it's going to lead to guys just unofficially deciding that they just want to go home. And so, you know, it's funny because tanking is usually something that we attribute to front offices and owners. It's like, a you know, it's a systemic way of improving your draft odds. This concern is, is more like, are we going to have players who just decide that they don't care and they don't want to be there? And, and if they lose, they can go home. And, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but I thought it was a pretty fascinating question. Huh. Sam, in the Western Conference, what is the likelihood someone catches Memphis uh, in that eight spot? And I, I think just because eight games is so few and because those those teams will not be favored in the majority of the games they play in, how likely is it that we see, say, Zion Williamson play his way in? I mean, I don't. the numbers are escaping me. Can you remind me, Jake? I don't know if, if you've got the closest. Yeah, give me a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll bring that right up. I mean, I think it's uh, like three and a half. Um, behind Memphis, and the way the play-in tournament works is that you. And I'm, I'm trying to remember here. Uh, I think you've got to be within four games to um, qualify for the play-in tournament, where right. the ninth-place team, you know, would then have a shot to upend the eighth-place team and take that spot. And it's double elimination for the eighth-place team, single elimination for the ninth-place team. So I could 100% see it happen. In the West, uh, the East is a different story. It, it just seems laughable that, I, I mean, really, and, and again, this was in the story, there's GMs who don't think that this should be a 22-team tournament. Um, they, you know, that whether it's 16 or 20, you know, the, Washington being six games back of Orlando in the East when you have eight games, like wh- what? how motivated are those Wizards players going to be? Davies Bertans already decided not to play because he's going to be a free agent this summer. You know, Washington is getting propped up as kind of the poster team for why this thing is a bad idea to have this many teams. 
Same thing for Phoenix, which is six games back of Memphis. Uh, those two teams should not be in this thing, but they are. And you know, but but on the West, I could definitely see a New Orleans or a Sacramento or one of those Portland's, you know, taking that spot that Memphis has right now. And you're yeah. right, Sam. By the way, for the record, they're they're three and a half back: Portland, New Orleans, and Sacramento. Yeah. One of the interesting things is uh, it, it tethered with that a little bit, uh, Sam, but also straight up to the top teams in the league. We just had uh, Quinn Snyder on, and he he talked about getting his team back together and moving forward almost like a fresh start. And when you get a fresh start, it makes me wonder whether a team will perform differently than it did over the first 63-64 games. Uh, I I, I don't polar pollsters would probably tell you no that that sample size is fairly definitive, but I'm curious to find out who responds not just with sort of a second chance, but in with all these this environmental stuff that you've been talking about for the past few minutes. Who is going to respond? Who's going to handle that sort of uh, mental health aspect better than someone else? I I think it's more than just talent at this point. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Gordon. Uh, it's just it's more than just talent at this point there's all these other factors and who's going to respond to that and who isn't i agree uh it's interesting you know the clippers had this motto they're trying to live by the win the weight and and i don't know if i'm connecting dots that don't exist but i thought it was interesting that uh, i don't believe they've had any positive tests and so the thought that crossed my mind was do you attribute that to I don't know, maybe their guys were just more responsible and more disciplined because there have been players getting on courts. You know, Buddy Heald uh, of the Kings, who was tested positive, was playing pickup ball in Oklahoma, and there was social media video of this recently where it worried people when they saw it, and then you see the reason for the worry. Nikola Jokic in Denver, you know, was was hanging out with, uh, with the tennis star Djokovic, and they both got it, you know. Now, so did the Clippers handle this with more care, and now they already get the benefit of zero positive tests? And, and do they have some sort of mental fortitude that might serve them well with their culture uh, in, in Orlando? I mean, I could see it because I agree. It's mental. It's physical. The physical stuff could be a train wreck because there's a lot of concern about soft tissue injuries, obviously. Um, and even as an extension of that, I had an agent call me yesterday, and he was talking about another fascinating element here, which is like the coaches and maybe the GMs too. Some of them who might have tenuous job security positions are frustrated because ultimately they're going to be held responsible for what happens in Orlando, which if you're them, your job is like, you know, even in normal times, it's really challenging to have so much of what impacts the success of your job be outside of your control. How dedicated is my star player? How, you know, on point is my staff? Things that you cannot unilaterally control. Well, now that's on a different scale. If you're a coach, you know, you want your team to do well, but the idea that maybe somebody gets fired on the back end of this thing because they didn't get the job done is going to frustrate you as a coach because these are unprecedented circumstances. So I agree, and, and I think that, you know, that's where – I don't know. The whole debate about is there going to be an asterisk on this champion or these playoffs? In the beginning, I said no. Now, I I just think that we might see with our own eyes how different these times are and and the impact on the game itself, the quality of the play, and and how these guys 
move through this space? And I think, uh, you know, that's a really fair question you raised. Sam, thank you very much as always. We look forward to your conversation every week. Of course. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. Thank you, Sam. Sam Amick from The Athletic with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And Sam actually released that GM survey yesterday. I apologize for that, but uh, I would encourage anybody to jump on The Athletic and uh, and give that a look. Uh, Sam's really, really good. And is this thing uh, uh, broken down inside and out? Yes. uh, Thoughtful stuff there from Sam, you know, uh, about various concerns heading into this. What do you make of of players – not wanting to be isolated like that from family members. Do you think that's an indication of being soft, or do you think uh, you're darn right? Uh, I wouldn't want to be isolated from my family for two, three months. Would you? No, of course not. And And I get it. There are people who are deployed. That was a word that Sam used. People who are deployed in the military who go away for long periods of time, but... I'd say our national security is probably a tad bit more important than uh, a basketball tournament. Well, yeah, and they make that sacrifice, and and we should appreciate that too. Of course, and it's they not know easy it. To leave your and, loved ones for that period yes. of time, absolutely. And they know it going in. And these players probably <laughs> had no clue that anything like this would ever be required of them or asked of them. All right, we'll get to more coming up right around the corner. Stay tuned. It is The Big Show, live from the warehouse here in Orem. Stop on by and see us. 86 East University Parkway. Our good friend Tom joins the show once again. And, Tom, you're pretty excited about these deals, man. You were able to to nab up uh, some really great stuff. You cannot believe the surprises I have. Okay, I like it. I walked you earlier. Uh I have, and it's a big four-foot ottoman it's four feet by three feet and typically this ottoman is 4.99 5.99 from the normal manufacturer well this manufacturer does it a little differently they have put a twin sleeper in the ottoman hmm. interesting did you see it uh-huh I it's did. I incredible so. so the the top lifts up and turns into a little headboard and then you pull out the ottoman that's got a gel memory foam mattress inside. Inside? Wow. So it's got a trampoline bed with a gel memory foam mattress. They they sell it for twelve ninety nine. Not happening at the warehouse. Not even half price. We're gonna sell the entire thing. You have to mention Jake or Gordon. All right. I, I will not <laughs> do it without the word Gordon or Jake. I should say not word, but name. Two hundred ninety nine bucks. Wow, two ninety nine sofa sleeper. Are How you about kidding that? me? You can't get that anywhere. And it's gorgeous. Now, I had a customer text me. I'm not sure who it was, so I just texted them a picture. They're excited about this mahogany bench. I had a buddy reach out to me about this mahogany bench. Anybody who wants to see it, we had five of them. We have four left. So if you want one, you need to come. I've put it right up front, right in right in front of the desk, the zone, sports zone, uh, 1280-97.5. Right in front of the table. Right in front of the table so you can see it. You can pick it up. My my son's estimated it was 150 to 160 pounds. It's a solid piece of it furniture. It is gorgeous. Yep. That's not all. I've got right there a power 
leather love seat. Mm-hmm. Two recliners, motorized power recliner. It's normally seventeen hundred bucks. I'm gonna do a boom of booms. Five hundred ninety-nine bucks. Stop it for that beautiful piece of furniture. Can you believe right there? that? Wow! And you push a button, and it takes you to the sleep zone. Oh man! Yeah, that thing. Is- How about we don't stop there? How about we move to the sectional we mentioned? Okay. Big, great, big sectional. Four recliners, a big wedge, and it's got massage. We're gonna do it. Not fifty-six hundred bucks. Not thirty-six hundred bucks. How about nineteen ninety-nine? Wow! And then last but not least for this break, I have a table back there. Clayton, how thick is that glass? Oh, it's uh, three It's half inch at least, maybe five eighths of an inch. It's double laminated glass. The glass by itself is going to be more than I'm going to tell you the table. The name of the table is Tetris. And if you look at the legs, Jake, it looks like a Tetris game yeah. going on. It's gorgeous. The table is normally 2600 bucks. We're going to do the table for 499 But it comes with benches and chairs. The bench we talked about is 2100 bucks on sale for 1000 we're going to do the bench for 299 and then if you want chairs to go with it I'll do chairs for 79 bucks a chair wow uh- which is unbelievable for the quality we're talking Come and see us. This is the best deal I've had in more than 10 years. All right. Take advantage of it. And that's saying something, by the way. 86 East University Boom. Parkway. 86 East University Parkway in Orem. And, of course, in Salt Lake, 1967 South, 300 West. We'll have more Big Show coming up straight ahead. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Basketball is back. The Zone Sports Network is keeping you up on all the latest news with the Utah Jazz in the NBA. This is a back-to-basketball update. Oh, he never looked at the net. Presented by Zions Bank. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. It's a back-to-basketball update here on The Big Show. Quinn Snyder was on the show earlier today in the 3 o'clock hour. He talks about his team's return. I think our guys are enthusiastic about who this team can be. It's not a new season, but there's so many unknowns. Everything from the obvious without the fans to the bubble, all the precautions, to just this strange nature of the preparation. And when you have a team that's got an enthusiastic mindset, I think that can be a real positive. We've got some good players that really like playing with each other. They're competitive and they're together. The hallmarks of our team are there and I think they're excited to get out and to compete. Other news and notes, Vince Carter confirmed that he has retired from the NBA ending his 22-year career. Unbelievable. And uh, Knicks president Leon Rose said today that he intends to have the franchise's next head coach in place by the end of July. And there's another back-to-basketball update brought to you by Zions Bank. Big Show 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. want to remind you about our friends at Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Spring into action. Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call today. 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. Uh, we'll let you hear our conversation uh, we had in the 3 o'clock hour with Quinn Snyder. That's coming up at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. But real quick, Gordon, 
talking some college sports for a moment. Have you been keeping up with the athletic director rankings from uh, uh, our boy Brett McMurphy and Jeff Goodman on uh, Stadium? I just saw that there happened to be a certain athletic director from Utah State who was like fourth among the non-Power 5 uh, ADs. Yeah, only one spot behind another local AD. Tom Homo coming in at number three, John Hartwell at number four. As far as uh, non-Power 5 ADs, Danny White of UCF was number one. Todd Stewart of Western Kentucky was two, followed by Tom Homo and uh, John Hartwell. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, some nice honors for those two, I would say. I, You know, Tom Homo, I'm not sure he gets enough recognition for how just difficult his job is. And this was kind of... They kind of did their judging based on hires, Gordon, uh, for basketball and football. But there's just so much more that goes into Tom Homo's job. It makes it more difficult. I think he really does. I think he does well with the hand that he's dealt. Well, I mean, everything that has anything to do with big time sports at BYU, it seems like complex is the word or some word like that for everything that needs to be juggled, everything that needs to be taken into consideration. Tom takes a lot of heat for the, depending upon one's point of view, about the independence situation for BYU. Some people like it, others don't. But he's in the vortex of that. Do you think Tom views it, uh, just kind of taking off what you said right there, Gordon, do you think Tom views it as a mistake going to independence? I'm not sure. I mean, I've had conversations with Tom, uh, but I've I've never really had a private moment to say to him, hey, you know, Tom, tell me what you really think about this, you know, off the record. Tell me, uh, tell me what's going on. I've only, you know, he's got to present a certain face and I, I don't think he's going to be going around going, you know, we really blew it 11 years ago, whatever it was when we decided to do this. I've never heard him say that, and so uh, that I, w- I would imagine that uh, he's he's happier where BYU is now uh, compared to where they would be had they remained status quo. I guess I, I would reframe the question then, because I hear you. I don't think Tom Homo would look back and go, oh, geez, mm-hmm. we really blew it. But we do have 11 years of evidence of whether or not it was a good move, right? Yeah. So I wonder if after 11 years he would look back and say, oh, man, if I, had I known this, I would have done it differently. <laughs> and I'm not trying to ask a loaded question. I'm, I'm more just saying, you know, it was a grand experiment at the time. I, I wonder if he knows everything he knows now, if he would look back and do things differently. That's all. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. And uh, I, I, you and I have – I've discussed this ad nauseum, and uh, there are reasons to say, hey, it was a good idea, and there are reasons to say, uh, no, it it wasn't uh, the best course of action. And I guess it's left up to whoever's doing the thinking to decide for himself whether they, which side of that aisle they're going to sit on. Yep. And then when it comes to Hartwell, and they're judging him on his hires, football and basketball, not only at Utah State, but at Troy. Um, as far as his time at Utah State, Gary Anderson, I think, is still a wait and see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was great in his first run at Utah State. We'll see how it goes uh, in run two. But I don't, I don't see how there's any way you couldn't say that uh, Craig Smith wasn't a home run hire for them. Yeah, 
Most at least definitely. so far in yep. his first in his first two seasons. I don't think you, I don't know how you could have expected any more out of that guy. I mean, completely rejuvenated that program. And I, you, you know what? Uh, forgotten amidst all this uh, uh, COVID nineteen thing uh, situation, Gordon, we forget what a conference tournament run by the Aggies down there in Vegas, mm-hmm. right before this all happened. Just magic, you know. Great game, Sam Merrill. What a special player. Uh, it's a, it's really a shame we didn't get to see uh, the Aggies or or the Cougars for that matter in the in the NCAA tournament. But uh, you know what a run. Let's think. Let's think about where. Utah State was maybe 12 years ago versus where it is now. You would have to say that uh, that whole athletic department is heading in a in a really good direction, and uh, so I mean the it, it's it's fairly obvious to say that the guys who are running Utah State are doing a pretty good job. All right, now he's got it out on uh, the Pac-12, ranking the athletic directors, Gordon. And uh, number one is Rob Mullins for Oregon. Number two, Ray Anderson, Arizona State. Number three, Jennifer Cohen from University of Washington. Number four, Jim Knowlton from Cal. Number five, Scott Barnes from Oregon State. Number six, Rick George from Colorado. Number seven, Mike Bone at USC. Number eight, Pat Chun at Washington State. And number nine, Mark Harlan at the University of Utah getting a C grade. However, I don't think that's, I don't think that's really fair. They, they judge him on his hires at U, uh, USF and Utah. But considering he hasn't made any hires at Utah, I don't know how, that, how fair that is to judge him at the moment. Maybe give they, they have Harlan with a C, but I think that's maybe an incomplete, don't you? What other criteria are they using then? It's basically football and, and basketball coaching hires. You want me to read the analysis to you? Well, I'm just trying to think you know, what if he hasn't really made a hire in that regard in his time there, then what, what, how, do they, how do they utilize that or how do they evaluate him? Well, they, they did his time at USF, too, from 2014 to 2018. But even, that's, hired, really, even that's not really fair considering – <laughs> okay, I, I just I, I'm not sure what they're because if it's if it's a uh, a Pac-12 circumstance, then how can you anybody either pro or con drag with the job that was done prior to in a whole different circumstance? Well, that's why I'm saying I think it should yeah. be an incomplete. Here's here's what the analysis says from these two guys. Mark Harlan's track record at USF wasn't pretty. On the football side, he threw a ton of money at Charlie Strong, and it looked good early. But after a top 25 ranking in 2017, Strong was 4-14 four and 14 in his last 18 games before being fired after three seasons. Harlan's first hoops hiring was Orlando and uh, Antigua, who was fired after three seasons and a 23-55 and 55 mark. Then he went with Brian Gregory, who was 40 and 53 and still looking for an NCAA appearance after three seasons. So obviously there's nothing to judge him on as for his time at Utah. I mean, he wasn't going to come in and fire Kyle Whittingham and he really couldn't come in and, and fire Larry Kraskoviak. So. So is this one of those rankings that happens because we're in the middle of COVID-19? Uh, probably. <laughs> and I'm not holding that against anybody. I, I just wonder I mean, it's it's a difficult way to evaluate and to compare, uh, given the circumstance. That uh, I mean, for instance, Mike Bone. Again, that's from a whole different era, right? That he's being judged. 
Right. He was good at uh, where did he come from, Cincinnati. And so they're judging him on that, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Well, I guess it's one of those wait-and-see situations because we really don't know how that's going to go. Uh, right. I don't know how else to what, – what are the comment to make on that other than we don't really know yet? Let me ask you this. What is going to be who, – who's going to be his first hire, the football coach or the basketball coach? Uh, well, boy, that's intriguing for a whole bunch of reasons. Uh, Kyle Whittingham has said in the past or indicated that he doesn't want to be one of these 75-year-old coaches that are still grinding at it. He has other things to look at. And so, uh, but purely from a performance situation, I think Kyle Whittingham is in about a solid shape as, 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 uh, you know, relative to his, his uh, environment uh, or his realm as anyone else. Uh, but because of his age and because of the indications that he's given, you know, I could see him uh, stepping down sometime within the next, what, three years? Is that responsible to say? Right. Maybe. Uh, on the other hand, Larry Kraskoviak is kind of on thinner ice, if you want to say it that way, uh, from a standpoint of performance and performance alone. So... Uh, I might still go with Larry Kraskoviak. I think uh, even with Kyle's situation being what he is and, and what his desires are, I I would go with Larry K in that that uh, question. Do you guys about, think that the outcome of the Scally investigation plays a factor at all? I thought of that, but uh, I I no, not really. What do you think, Jake? I think it could. I don't know if I would say that that's likely. Mm-hmm. You mean in, in the uh, where are you where are you coming from with that question, meaning, Austin? You mean because was, it could be traced back to him or what? No, no, not necessarily even that. Just uh, you, you, we've been talking for a few years now about how Kyle Whittingham's not long for the job by choice, right. and there was a natural uh, kind of knighting of Morgan Scally as his assumed replacement that he would more or less have lined up to replace him before he leaves and if Morgan Scally is fired does that leave Kyle Whittingham uh, in a place where he wants to stay the head coach for a longer term than he had anticipated before the Scally investigation and then the Larry Kraskoviak decision becomes the obvious answer there I, was that, I was don't, that confusing I, or no Kind of. Sorry. But I, I don't think that Kyle Whittingham is going to hang around longer because he thinks that there isn't somebody on in the on-deck circle to take over. Okay. I think he's going to leave when he wants to leave, and, you know, the university is on its own the, from that point. The, the only thing I would say to maybe uh, combat that is it's assumed or reported maybe even that Kyle has a job waiting for him as an administrator of some such when he steps down as head coach and perhaps he wouldn't want to do that just yet if the next guy that he had chosen to be his replacement gets fired. I don't know. If he loves being a football coach, why would he want to take a place in the administration 
Uh, or would he just do that because it's an easier, less demanding job? That's why yeah. I would do it to go golf. Yeah, you, yeah, you know, like, I mean, yeah. by job and administration, that just means he still gets a paycheck, right? <laughs> I mean, how's our friend Robbie Bosco doing these days, huh? Yeah, I mean, administration. Let's let's not pretend like he'd be doing any administrating. I mean, it. He'd be. <laughs> Four. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly, but still but still getting that good paycheck. All right, we've got the Nod Sports Port coming up next. Stay tuned. Live from the warehouse, 86 East University Parkway, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Check this out. And now your Nod Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, live from the warehouse, 86 East University Parkway. Come by and see us. It's time for the Not Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Cars Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? First, we're going to Arkansas, and then we're going to uh, Disneyland. The first uh, story is about a 50 – we've talked before, and you guys are aware of that crater of the Diamond State Park in uh, in Arkansas. Where uh, No, I was not aware pe- of that. <laughs> people, I don't think we have talked about that. Maybe we haven't. Uh, but people can go to this state park and look for diamonds. And because it's a – it's like an extinct volcano or something, or volcanic pipe of some sort. And uh, there, have, uh, one official said that they find uh, one or two diamonds there every day. And so anybody who wants to, uh, the way I understand it, can go there and look for diamonds. Well, a 56-year-old Arkansas woman was uh, getting ready to leave the state park uh, the other day when a shiny stone caught her eye, and she thought it was something other than a diamond. Well, she picked it up and she took it in uh, and had it evaluated at the Diamond Discovery Center that's there. And it turns out that it was a 2.23 carat diamond. Is that good? That's good. Well, how big is the diamond you gave your wife? I don't know. You don't know? No, I have no idea. Well, anyway, yes, that's a valuable find. And I thought, would you guys go out of your way to go there to look for diamonds? No. You're not much of a treasure hunter? Where is this? Arkansas? Yeah. Pass. (laughs) Next question. Let's say you were driving by within, say, 20 or 30 miles. No, I'm driving as fast as I can through Arkansas. You ever been to uh, Arkansas? What? what <laughs> it's like being uh, what, inside a sauna all the time. <laughs> what if you could find a two-carat diamond? <laughs> what kind of what kind of diamond did uh, you get, Lisa? I got her. Uh, I got. Well, mm-hmm. I gave I gave <laughs> I gave her a diamond ring for uh, for when I proposed. But I have since replaced that one with a better one. Well, what's the weight we're talking about here? I don't know. It was. Didn't you just ridicule me for not knowing? Well, I know, but I'm not sure I really want to say. Oh, so it's the Hope Diamond then. 
<laughs> no, 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 no. And I had the old diamond I, I had from her first ring made into a necklace, and she's never worn it, not a single time. Hmm. What should are I? We make talking of about that? like uh, are we talking about a couple hundred gur here? Or what are we talking about with the new one? Please, no. Come on, it's just a modest little thing. Did Did you have somebody rob a museum? No, I did not. No, because I don't really put that much into jewelry. If I had put down ten billion, I only would have had five left. <laughs> wow. For all of you at home, this is all just shtick. I mean, this whole, this whole... It's expensive uh, being rich. You just whole. said you had $5 billion. Yeah, but you've said some things that uh, Austin could probably play that would uh, be counter to what you really think. It's good to have uh, a big stash of money, <laughs> although he's choosing not to play them right now. Uh I don't know. All right. After what, the recession, I dropped 90 mil. Well, I've recouped that and doubled it moving forward. <laughs> so I'm up to half a billion now. And so I got less time than I got money. So I got to burn through this, man. Come on. Let's do it. Wow. Well, I wasn't more talking than, about myself. The prosecution there. rests. More than, more than doubled it? Gordon? <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, and then there's this story I wanted to ask you guys about. You know, the Splash Mountain ride at Disney uh, is uh, that has created some problems recently because it was it was based on uh, the controversial 1946 film Song of the South, which uh, is not politically correct these days. So they they're go- they're renaming they're reimagining that ride for uh, uh, something from the nineteen or the two thousand and nine animated film The Princess and the Frog, which features Disney's first black princess. So that's a nice move. But I wondered if you could reimagine a ride at Disneyland to or to on any kind any theme you wanted. What would you do? Well, I, I'll start real quick. I'll say when they switched the Swiss Family Robinson treehouse to the Tarzan treehouse, I protested. That, that's that's an act of war. There's no need for that now. Huh. I just want him to bring Captain EO back. Ah, and the Davy Crockett canoes, too. Is Captain EO the Michael Jackson one? Yeah. yeah. The mm-hmm. 3D movie. Mm-hmm. Mm. You want to bring what back, Austin? The Davy Crockett canoes. You get in those things, you canoe over to Tom Sawyer Island. Do you remember those? Isn't that, you're going old school. Any of the more modern films? I mean, I'm only films 35, or... but. <laughs> any, any of the more modern films that you would want to see as a ride at uh, any of the Disney properties? Uh, they did Guardians of the Galaxy. That's another one. They took away Tower of Terror and did Gardens of the Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy. They could have yep. just built a new ride for that. Yeah, maybe, but they they have limited space, right? No, okay, yeah. They only have all of California to work with. <laughs> I like Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, I don't know, I don't know if I've ever done that ride or not, but I like the it's, movie. It's the same ride that it was for Tower of Terror. They just took away the Tower of Terror Twilight Zone feel and put in Chris Pratt cuz he's pretty. He's pretty. the theme. I got you. It, what's your favorite Disney animated flick? Oh, probably the Lion King. So, have they done anything with that? Uh, not, I think maybe in the Animal Kingdom in Florida, but I haven't been there. Huh. Uh, Sorry, Jake. What's your answer? 
All dogs go to heaven. Stop. That's not Disney. <laughs> what, do you want to have a bunch of dogs in there and people can come in and pet them? Uh, I was just trying to think of a cartoon that wasn't Disney. Hmm. Anything right. by Hanna-Barbera. Scooby-Doo. Yeah, bring it on. Uh, well, way to play along. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've been catching up on all my Disney animated films. I've been uh, I, uh, Princess and the Frog I watched not that long ago. I liked it. Is it good? Terrific music. Yeah, in that show. it was yeah. good. It? Yeah, the music is oh, awesome. Good. Yeah, it's really good. Oh. So that's uh, yeah, that's cool. The the story's cool too. So so how are they going to do that? What, uh, the, what, what, do you, what would you guess that the ride will look like? Uh, probably it will be very pretty similar. similar yeah. to Splash Mountain, I would guess, because <laughs> uh, it's based in New Orleans. So it you've is. got the the bayou that you can work with, with a little log flume still. So that'll be all right. Is yeah. that is that ride? Is the log? Uh, is the Splash Mountain next to the Pirates of the Caribbean, where you walk no, through no, there no, and no, it's, no. it's kind of no. No, one's Frontierland and one's Adventure, or uh, uh, New Orleans Square, I believe. Oh. Austin knows oh. a lot about Disneyland. All uh, I know all right. is that's where you can see it's difficult to get into that restaurant. By the way, hold on here a second. I got a Tom bone to pick. just had a deep sigh, by the way. I, no, I, I have a bone to pick with Austin real quick. Oh, great. Some One of our loyal listeners, uh, and I don't have it in front of me right now, or else I'd read it verbatim, <laughs> but they texted or they tweeted in uh when is the not sports well why did you change the time of the not sports report and we didn't really change it we just move it around on certain no, no, days no 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 they sent that in this is shasta he sent that in during the opening two minutes of the show when you read an obituary to start things at 3 oh. 2 p.m okay well anyway the point is that i want to get to is that austin said hey if I had my way, I would move that thing right off the show and never, and never have it seen or heard again. That hurt my that that, that that's hurt libel, my feelings because that's not what I said. So. Well, what did it's you funny say? that you reference a, a tweet that was mocking you about the not sports report <laughs> as evidence to keep it. No, I don't. I'm, I'm no. My my issue is with Austin's reaction. Austin, read what you wrote. I said if I was the one changing the time on that thing, it would be at never o'clock. <laughs> I don't think that's exactly what you said, but that was the I'm gist of what it. you meant. Uh, well, anyway, I, that, I, that hurt my feelings because never, never land. No, <laughs> I know, I know, I know that we joke about that a lot. But when Austin starts tweeting that out, I'm starting to believe he really thinks that way. And I mm-hmm. thought that was all shit. At least you're finally listening to me. <laughs> all right, we're live from the warehouse, 86 East University Parkway. Tom is with us once again, and no, we are not in Never Neverland. Tom, we are in Orem. Uh, I, you got me there. I thought I was in Disneyland for a minute. For a second. I Tom, mean, doesn't Gordon sound like he needs a nice adjustable bed? He sounds like he's cranky. <laughs> we've we've got it. Gordon, when are we going to deliver that? Well, you, I'm ready anytime. Whenever you can do it, let's do it. Okay. Because, because here's why. Because I have a bed I like, yes. but but Tom has a bed that's better. And, exactly. and 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 he, when you so sell you it at house, the- hermiting it, so let's bring it to the house so you can even hermit in more comfort. There you go. I I, I would appreciate that I, because here's the thing: not only are those deals fantastic, but the merchandise that you're moving is top drawer, and I don't know yeah. how you can beat that. You're not here, Gordon, to see this, but I've asked Vidal to help. Vidal is our model. For show and tell. Good looking guy. <laughs> and if, if this chair can hold Vidal, it can hold anybody. 
Okay, you, that wait, was wait, a little mean. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You have you have you have someone working at your store there who is named Vidal. Yes, and he is Vidal is a fire hydrant. He's very strong, solid <laughs> muscle. He's about four feet wide by five feet tall. <laughs> Rocking the Donovan Mitchell uh, shirt right now. Yeah, it's good yeah, looking. It is good Turn looking. this chair around. So he's sitting, and I'm trying to do this play-by-play. He's sitting on a dimpled, tufted chair by this manufacturer who I can't mention the name, but it's a gem of a con- company. Oh, I see. All right. On the back, it's got gorgeous brass nail heads, really classy design. They sell this on the internet for seven ninety nine. I'm going to do a boom. Vidal, sit down because I don't want to fall down. This is kind of a what color is that? Kind of a turquoisey. Yeah, a little bit. Really cute chair, perfect for a settee. I'm going to do it for a hundred and seventy nine dollars. Wow, hundred seventy. Tom. Do you just make this stuff up off the top of your head? I just made that price up. We were selling them for two ninety nine. I said, let's do better. <laughs> let's get lower. He's now sitting on, and what would we call that? Kind of a tweed light gray. And this is also dimpled with uh, tufting. It's got covered uh, upholstered buttons, nine of them in the front. And then this also has around the back and the sides brass nail heads that's a really cute chair and it's supposed to be 699 i'm going to do your choice 179 wow Hmm. great deal beautiful chair boom get on down and see tom while he's in a good mood i'm in i'm in a mood that i haven't ever been in because i've never had a deal this good you see that really cute can you see that galvanized steel yeah Mm mm-hmm if you've got a little industrial wannabe look going on in your your condo, your house, your apartment, whatever it might be, this is supposed to be a thousand dollars, two ninety nine. Wow! Right next to it, it's also galvanized steel. You see that three drawer, kind of angled, really cute. Uh, let's call it an end table. It's supposed to be four ninety nine. Boom! About ninety nine bucks. Wow! Unbelievable. Boom. Get down here and take advantage of it. We're in Orem, 86 East University Parkway, or, of course, the Salt Lake Store, 1967 South, 300 West. We'll let you hear our conversation with Quinn Snyder coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.